0: Hi everyone and welcome back to the channel wherever you are watching or listening from. This is Vocal Arts. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Elliot Michael Robinson, one of the lowest bass singers on the planet, no question. I mean, I had morning voice when I was speaking to him. I think I had down to about an A1 in Chess voice this morning. When he relaxes his speaking voice, it was even lower than that. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. Um, Elliot's a brilliant guy. He's extremely talented as a singer. He's extremely smart. He's also uh, got his law degree in addition to being a world-class bass vocalist. We talked about his whole upbringing, his background and training, all the acapella groups he's been a part of, his experience being on Pitch Perfect 2, um, the rise of acapella music in general, and then what he's up to nowadays and kind of how he's structuring his musical journey going forward now that he is a family man. It was really wonderful talking to him. You guys will see how well we really jailed. We also talked about you know, the collaboration on Mad World that he did with The Bass Gang, which is now up over 400,000 views just on YouTube. So that's an amazing success for all of us and it was so cool to have him, a true bass legend uh, on that track as well. In the end we got into some Patreon questions and some pretty heavy emotional stuff as well, so we get deep, we, we we get in there, we had a great conversation, he's such a gem of a guy, he's actually coming to Phoenix uh, next month, so we're going to try and get together, maybe go to the gym and get a workout in, um, as that is a big part of our lives as well. Um, I hope you guys enjoy, I know you'll enjoy this conversation with Elliot Michael Robinson.
1: Everything. none other than Queens, yeah. And I even feed my dog with, uh, some of that. I wonder as I wander
0: out under the
1: sky. House to a
2: close. close, now it's time for ho-ho-ho's. Pop a squat right on my knee, it's not just creepy, just believe. House and presence we will share, raise your glasses in the air. I
0: What's up everyone uh wherever you are watching or listening from uh welcome back we are here with Elliot michael robinson and i'm gonna pass the torch over to him and let him give a little brief introduction as to who he is and what he's up to these days
1: yeah man um so i'm me <laughs> for those of you i haven't heard my name or or what i do so for a long time i worked as a bass vocalist in predominantly in the acapella space working for gosh we'll get into it but a handful of groups from home free to, to impulse to uh, doing pitch perfect and all this other stuff and uh nowadays i do much more regular stuff kind of in the corporate sphere and uh yeah still music on the side and living life being a dad and you know doing
0: it up in texas cool man where, where did this all start for you did you grow up in a musical household yes and no <laughs> yes and no so
1: in terms of musical uh appreciation no doubt like we had my parents record collection was crazy right so you know i was exposed to all the greats earlier all your michael jackson jackson 5, five earlier funkadella you know all the just all that kind of stuff and um and acapella even pretty early too like the group acapella um i think a lot of your vocal bases of today remember and know that group from their kind of heyday in the nineties. And so we had a couple of their tapes laying around. And I remember always kind of marveling at the bass, even when I was you know, three or whatever, five. And just thinking how cool that must be. But uh yeah, but I don't really, you know, my parents aren't professional musicians or anything, never had training, but it just kind of uh naturally I took to it, I think. I'd like to cool. think so.
0: Yeah, yeah. When did you start to notice that you were gonna become one of those those bases that you were because i think a lot it seems like i mean all the bases i know for sure and even people who aren't bases do marvel at the bass voice even though yeah, it's cool. you know it That's hasn't rare. really it hasn't really found its way into pop culture more so i say recently but you don't hear a lot of bass voices on like pop radio but oh, people sure. are but people are fascinated by it everyone is fascinated by the bass voice so i think a lot of us grow up wanting to be a bass and you know some of us some of us get lucky there Um, (laughs) so when did your voice kind of drop down into the basement you're like oh shit this is uh this is what I've been listening to yeah it was uh
1: summer the summer between seventh and eighth grade which is funny because prior to that like you know I was in this thing called all-city honor choir in latter grade school and when I was like doing my auditions and placements or whatever for and that sounds really fancy our program was garbage so it wasn't anything <laughs> ser- <laughs> no, auditions were anything ser- okay. but I like uh you know placements or whatever you know how i sounded in sixth grade placed me in like the alto ones in seventh grade right and then <laughs> there came a point like late in the year to where that stuff was <laughs> not working you know like it was a gradual thing and then over the summer it was just like and next thing you know i'm like singing along with barry carl and like c's are nothing like it's just so i was probably yeah 11 or 12 because i skipped a grade so i would have been i think 12 fresh 12.
0: 12 and you're singing yeah. low seas yeah, yeah
1: yeah just like breathing them out like
0: <laughs> it's nothing kind of weird and i was
1: like you know any muscle fiber i have right now at all was not there so i was like you know five foot one probably and beanpole skinny you know just busting these c's on and b's and yeah
0: i'm sure i'm sure it's still shocking to a lot of people when you open your mouth to talk to them but i bet it was 10 times more shocking when you were a little string bean of a human oh yeah <laughs> yeah even all through high
1: school like you just didn't expect this like long-haired skinny kid to be like to open up and, <laughs> and to rattle your chest like that you know yeah. Did
0: you continue with choir stuff through high school or do any theater or anything like that?
1: Theater, not so much. Um, again, we didn't really have much of a program for it. It was there, but not to the extent that would make a, uh, make me want to do it. And but um, choir, yeah, I kept on with choir through high school. Um, you know, did the male choir, did our, like, concert choir, whatever, the big choir. And then in college, you know, I started at Illinois State. And there, um, I was a music minor at first before I switched majors in schools, but I was a music uh, minor and did the vocal jazz group, which is really maybe where most of my like vocal group, vocal harmony love comes from contextually, like your take six and that kind of vein. So I was in the vocal jazz group, and then um, it was funny, they had this group called Madrigals, right, which is like upperclassmen, a group of, I think, 12 co-ed. And we would do the whole, like, I don't even know what you call that garb, Baroque or whatever, the big coats and the big funky hats and do, you know, all this stuff, (laughs) that type of uh, music. And I remember being, again, scrawny 17-year-old freshman or whatever in the vocal group, uh, in the vocal jazz group, and, like, on the Christmas concert doing our thing. I forget what song did. And after that, the director of Madrigals hit me up and was like, we don't normally take... uh, underclassmen especially not freshmen but we had a guy leave and <laughs> come over here like we <laughs> don't get anything like that in a while so yeah you can picture me in that just ridiculous get up uh
0: i'm trying i'm trying i yeah if you, yeah please don't
1: yeah i shouldn't even mention it <laughs> i would appreciate
0: photo evidence <laughs> yeah it's it's up
1: there you know in the depths of the internet but it was fun like i do enjoy uh the choral context as well and Dude, funnily enough, I don't know if I've ever even talked about this on my like, calls like this, but when I was, so then I transferred to Belmont University in Nashville, became a commercial music uh, major, and then as a senior, um, as I was thinking, okay, what do I want to do after this, um, you know, how can I not be homeless <laughs> type deal? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of looking around for opportunities and whatnot, and I actually tossed the tape up to uh Chanticleer, because they do callbacks or, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And uh surprisingly mm. enough, got a callback. So that was a really cool experience to like fly out there to San Francisco, sing with those guys. Of course, that's back when Eric Alatorre was in there, who's just a monster. So it's just Gang. killer to sing next to him. <laughs> so yeah, I kind of stuck with what we had to do acquired like once a week thing called Oratorio and do one. So apparently that was enough to keep my chops up. But since then, man, um, not much at all. Every yeah. once in a while, I've helped out a church choir or whatever, but yeah.
0: did you Do you find that Eric is kind of like the the classical counterpart to you in a way? I, I, I feel like your voices are, like your low ends are similar.
1: Yeah, I would say that for sure, especially nowadays. Like, obviously, stylistically, we do completely different things, you know, but as far as like where our voices sit and the ease and accessibility of those those low notes for sure. Like Eric and, and the other Eric too, because Eric, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So if you put that in a little more of a commercial R and B ish context. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm,
0: well, it's interesting. I mean, if you have, if you can get down to the E, that means you have the range of a bass guitar, you can get all the way down to the bottom of a bass guitar, which is so you'll, you know, you're, so you're covered for, theoretically probably anything that's going to be in a, a jazz ensemble right
1: oh dude yeah yeah i've never i've never seen anything written that is like oh, i don't know if i could you know i mean like <laughs> i don't have to worry about it and i actually mess around on the bass guitar a little bit and i bought a five string and maybe you know maybe hearing those frequencies more frequently opened up but uh, anything below e in my mind <laughs>
0: so every once in a
1: while i have those so yeah
0: that's wild man okay so you're studying commercial music did you did you want to be like a songwriter and were you just kind of like i don't know how this voice is going to fit in nashville or or what you know it's funny
1: I, i i looked i remember looking at belmont um before my undergrad because we had a another thing i did in high school like a show ensemble type thing there was a big invitational at belmont every year so that's how i came to know of the school and of the director of a couple ensembles and stuff but um no, I kind of, so I actually got a really nice scholarship offer there to be a classical major as a freshman, and um, I wasn't sold on being a classical major. I didn't want to do opera or, you know, whatever for my life, and didn't think I would want to do teaching or anything like that in that context, and um, so I held off, just kind of went the traditional route, was a poli-sci, pre-law, whatever, at Illinois State, and, um then I just kind of, yeah, like my teachers, so like the vocal jazz uh, ensemble teacher and my voice teacher and whatnot for my minor, were kind of like, what are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here in the middle of like cornfields, right? You know, um, no, 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 hayfield, because that's that's still that's my home. But um, kind of like, like you have these crazy low notes, you're hitting, you know, E's and stuff d's and e's easier than a lot of my tenors because that's the awkward time of your voice where tenors haven't quite figured it out a lot too so they're like you you know you really got something special um and i kind of was just like yeah yeah yeah, whatever and then since i knew i would eventually i go to law school and do something more again traditional there's no major necessarily that you have to have to progress to law school so I was like oh let me go ahead and do this music thing and just see what happens right like it was never I never really had a dream to be a lifelong touring artist, I was like, hey, let's just uh, see where this thing can go, and uh, never would have expected that it would go where it did, so very, you know, fortunate and blessed in that way, but uh, I just kind of all lined up.
0: What was your first gig outside undergrad once you finished up there?
1: Yeah, so that's a funny question. So towards the end of my senior year, I started working with, uh, kind of sporadically with, blue jupiter in new york city and i don't know if they're doing much anymore but what's funny about that and you may know this already is you know base historians or, or whatever but that's the group that tim <laughs> was in like in the early 2000s so the point there is there are very few of us to go around right of like you're super skilled um you know, deep bag bases, if you will. But yeah, so I, you know, was working with them sporadically. That continued for a little while after. Um, but I was, so I was thinking about moving out there and then something opened up. Uh, um. <laughs> Didn't go back in time. So how old are you? Uh,
0: 30, just turned 30 in right, August. So you're
1: 30. So, okay. So this probably is a little bit before your time, but like back in the day, I'm talking like early 2000s. There was a site called There was Casa Your Contemporary Acapella Something and RARB. there The Review Acapella Review Board or so I don't know. I actually but, know. Um, I actually so know. B- I
0: know. I know both of those because we we submit we submitted for both of them in undergrad acapella stuff. Okay. And we actually yeah, yeah. have been we've actually been submitting for the Cara Awards for, for the base gang. Oh, that's The last, right. that's the right. last couple of years, yeah, years. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, so same like org is an organizational cool. you know pin number well, and so but they used to have these like message boards where you know you could post you know whatever dc group looking for this blah blah blah, blah. that's how i found about uh blue jupiter they're like oh we need somebody with a low d and i was like bro okay <laughs> uh so you know i was working with them but then i saw um somebody else in south carolina um they were opening a new theme park you know like hard rock cafe yeah, yeah, yeah. that same corporation it was a total bust but they opened yeah. up this uh theme park in myrtle beach and, you know, they were putting together like an acapella group out there for, you know, just for the park. So it was like, hey, um, that seemed like a good gig. And so I wound up getting that gig and doing that right fresh out of school, which is funny because that's where I met. Well, I met him once before, but that's where I really got close with um, Ryan Greenwald, who was the like power tenor in Axiom. Right. Okay. So. You know, it kind of just spun forward from there. And then from there is when I went to my first ship with Home Free. That was 2008. And so it just kind of, like I said, kept on snowballing into, you know, bigger and better stuff.
0: Yeah. What was it? What was Home Free like back in the day? I mean, that was way before the send off Was that, I guess that was, you were in that group before Tim was. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what kind of stuff were you guys doing back then? <laughs> it was, um To i mean what you might find
1: on like a cruise ship show today so a little if i'm being honest like a little corny just like a bunch of jokes and bits and the classic you know beatles and nothing too uh envelope pushing right so uh but a good you know cute fun show you know it's all right Huey uh, lewis and the new like all that kind of just easy fun bubbly stuff so you know that was interesting because there was no um Acapella wasn't commercial so much then. And so you don't have, obviously Home Free hadn't siloed themselves and not no judgment there, but hadn't like, because it's a marketing thing, right? They're a country group now and you have this group that is this, right? So that hadn't happened. It was just like, here's a fun show for you and your family. Yeah. 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 But within it, was... that, like I had the uh, solo that, was the solo like the ring of fire of 2000s if you know <laughs> that was uh Barry uh, carl's version of um 16 tons right the rocket oh version. yeah 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 that was my lead then
0: was that all you did with home free just the cruise ship gig no so
1: um let's see back then so i kind of started with them around the same time rob did right because rob was in a group called foreshadow I don't know. I think they had disbanded and then home free happened and need a guy. And they weren't full time at the time either. They were trying to like get there. Um, it was me, Rob, Chris, Adam, and Matt Atwood, right? So this is before Austin too. And so we did uh The Ships. Um, I did a gig that, that was like a seven-week thing. We continued on to like record and like we did an oldies CD and the first two Christmas albums that are tough to find now, but um No, so after that point in time, I kind of became their go-to guy. And so I was doing a lot of like school shows with them and theater stuff and blah, 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 whatever. Um, And shortly thereafter, maybe several months after I joined a group called Impulse, um, who the first beatboxer in Axiom, Matt, that's how I met him. right? So that's what actually brought me to Minnesota full-time was joining Impulse. And at the time, I kind of had a choice of going home free full time or impulse full time, and I just liked impulse to show better. It was a little more like radio type stuff, a little less,
0: you know, cheesy. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah at the time,
0: I could I could see that, especially yeah, at that, that point of a cappella, like the cruise ship stuff, just like throw some fun at the audience. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's not, not like we're circus, we're, just like yeah, you know, like we're not happy, trying to. Be here. Yeah. We're not trying to be heroes out here just yeah yeah exactly
1: exactly yeah,
0: yeah. all right cool cool so that you said that was two thousand and eight when you when you two thousand eight first...
1: and I joined Impulse in in two thousand nine early okay
0: yeah. okay and how long were you with them and then where did you where did you head afterwards?
1: Yeah so I was with Inpulse and still subbing with Holmfree a little bit. Um that was oh a year and some change. But I kind of just got tired of touring in general. Um you know it's one of those things where touring is just like pros and cons like anything else like mm-hmm. love the show love to dude. those guys are still like my brothers to this day and um but i just was like eh, you know i could be more doing something else and having a little bit more routine um so stepped away from that went to law school at that point in time i was fortunate to get a full ride because i was kind of like studying for the lsat on the road and took it just to see what happened got a pretty good score submitted my stuff around and was trying to get out of minnesota because i'm not a big fan of the cold and um of course my best offers were in mid- schools for like hey full ride <laughs> all right well i guess i'm doing this and staying <laughs> in here in the twin cities um but it's funny you know on the music side so kept something with home free they didn't have a full-time main guy even still at that point in time they were kind of rotating me if i couldn't do it either tim or um a guy named troy horn who was also basically, he was on Broadway, just great, versatile bass. Um, And again, to the point of like incestuous acapella community, Troy was in the House Jacks, which is a group that I later joined. So it's just musical chair as a bass. So after uh, going into my third year of law school, I just got done with exams. Me and my girl at the time were um, about to head out on a little trip. And I got a call and... uh, was might have been Troy might have been the house jacks, like Deke Sharon's at that time group, like the revolutionary first kind of like contemporary rock, like all that acapella They're like, you know, Troy's having his third kid. He wants to, you know, play for real. And um we know you're in law school. We'll try to put guys that aren't really, you know, hidden in the way that we need to. And uh I'd like to see if you want to give it a go. If it a, so <clears throat> yes <laughs> <laughs> Because at that point in time, I'm 25 and like, you know, the chance to travel the world, right? So traveling on a bigger scale than with Impulse um, with this group that I had admired for years to that point. um, It's not the kind of thing that comes around all the time. So did that and
0: yeah, that's kind of how a lot of
1: other avenues opened up from there.
0: Amazing. And so I mean, did you kind of put your lawyer study on hold for the time being to go do that?
1: Oh yeah, good question. Um, I'm a little crazy, so so I um found a way to do both to <laughs> my third year <laughs> um tour the world with uh with um the house jacks. and then like fortunately a lot of my heavier stuff was in my first couple of years. So I had like clinic, a couple of classes, and an independent study writing thing. And so it was uh I can't say manageable, but it was a lot, and then took the bar. In illinois in 2013 passed it set it on the shelf while i kept touring and came back to it later
0: okay okay cool uh well good on you so for, i've, I've for, done everything at one that in time yeah yeah no <laughs> yeah. kidding um what what are some of like your favorite experiences from touring and from just that whole experience
1: i uh, mean this could be a whole other call of its of its own right like <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool i mean let's see so the cruise thing is 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 fun too right just because it's kind of like a paid vacation right especially with that show which wasn't all that demanding and we knew it like the back of our hands and you're meeting all these crew performers and you know crew from all over and then people that come on and you happen to share some commonality like the family I met that was from Minnesota which you know all that kind of stuff but all that Mm -hmm. is really cool um obviously with like with the house jacks, being able to travel so broadly, like we probably went to 10, 15 different countries, right? And me being from the middle of nowhere, agricultural town, never would have expected to do all that. So being able to go to like Rio and Hong Kong and just be immersed in those cultures for a handful of days, right? And um, I will tell you, one of my favorite moments was, 2012 there was a festival we did a lot of festivals at that with the house jacks there was a festival in brazil called rio fest something in rio de janeiro and um it was really cool so we were headlining they also had a couple other headlining groups from uh buenos aires and another one from rio and there might have been another one from buenos aires so we had like three or four nights right and it was really cool of course you know we went out and did the nightlife stuff which was uh i enjoyed quite a bit and um but on these uh on these like performance headlining nights, um you would kind of get a feel for these these groups from a whole other place and you know how they put a, a show together and their style and all their it's just really cool. And then one of the nights we were about to go out and we were in the venue, people were filing out, we were all getting our like clothes and stuff and whatever together. And it wasn't one of the nights we were performing, I don't think, but we were kind of just hanging. Out, out, you know, outside of the auditorium, and it was us um, a handful of guys. I forget the name of this group. Was it the Box Pop guys? Might have been. We were waiting for the group that performed that night to wrap up and do their stuff. We were all hanging out, and so it's kind of just like energy, right? Kind of like, and, and in a dorkier sense, this <laughs> happens after barbershop events too, where people are <laughs> singing tags. <you> know? <laughs> like, so the idea of like, hey, let's just you know do something. So they started singing um, A Quiet Place by Take Six, which Take Six oh. to a, like a goat group and just a beautiful song and arrangement. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's really special. And so myself and Austin from the House Jacks joined in and we just like automatically just had just this beautiful sound and that ability to just, and this is what I love about vocal music in a small ensemble context anyway. It's so human, right? There's just like these people from God knows how many miles away, that you've never met before, likely will never run into again, just sharing this moment, this space, with this music you all love and appreciate despite the distance. Um, and that was just a really cool thing. And then, of course, you know, Pitch Perfect later on and all these other places we went. But um, just like kind of my approach with life, everything is special if you recognize it for what it is in the moment.
0: You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I Actually, one of my, that's funny, one of my questions was like, do you have any like main philosophies on music and art and how you approach it
1: that's, so that's, that's kind of it. a per-
0: perfect that, segue <laughs> yeah that's the biggest one
1: man and i think this goes to why i love the context of music that i typically do the like small group acapella thing is because um it's so human right it's so unique because the thing is this, if you take like that for example, you take this arrangement of A Quiet Place, have this these six guys sing it, it's gonna sound totally different than how these six guys sing it. Even take yeah. inflection and little stylings mm. and whatever outside of it, if they sing it the exact same way, the textures of the voices are different. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Even if you take two people out and bring two others in, the comprehensively the sound is different right so it's special every time and every show like with the house jacks feels a little different the audience gives you different energy right you feel different things on stage that might cause you to do it this way or that way and i think with uh me being a bass and like in the house jacks especially functioning as a bass guitar you know unlike the guys well differently than the guys who are singing leads more frequently i get to kind of just jam right like i've got the chord structure and the feel like i'm going to be plucking that thing a little bit different every night you know yeah. what i mean just because yeah. how i feel and and the the back and forth so it's just it's fun and special and it's different every time
0: it's a really cool thing about the human voice where it is like a fingerprint it's yeah, like someone, sure. someone someone can have the same technique even same voice type mm-hmm. same technique totally different sound yeah um yeah just to piggyback off what you're saying it's the same way in the opera world where we're doing sometimes we're doing music that people have been doing for hundreds of years yeah, yeah. But you go to a different house with a different orchestra and a different yeah. cast, and it's like a totally different show.
1: 100
0: percent So it keeps and so it keeps it fresh and you get to make new, cool experiences mm-hmm. every time. And I think that's a question like probably you've
1: gotten before too. was like after you know doing the show night after night after night after night, does it ever get boring? Like maybe to a small degree, but like since there is something unique every time, it, it doesn't really. And you probably have stuff between the other cast members that are like inside jokes and little like music just like there's always something that keeps it yeah. fresh right so
0: yeah for sure i i the opera schedule's nice because we because of the way we sing just like full body yeah essentially yeah. essentially yelling i mean physiologically yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a yell um we get days to recover in between so okay. you know if you're doing like a,
1: one and one
0: on two off one and in... depends on the company you know like yeah, big definitely. companies will go it could be Tuesday, Friday, Monday, something yeah, like that. Okay. The smaller companies usually on the weekends to kind of maximize. Yeah. No, that's good. That's audience me, potential, right? It's a lot if you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But musical theater on Broadway, for example, pumping out eight shows a week. That's that, cool. For me, that would be really tough. Yeah. yeah. I, I could see it getting old. Oh, for and sure, I, and i know people sub in and out fairly often in that context but like i'm like give me one show every few days i'm great yeah, I'll, be, totally I'll be cool. i'll be there hundred percent every time give, yeah give me six shows and then two shows on a sunday you start to the different, sh- different, different, away. different <laughs>
1: story yeah 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 100
0: yeah um one other thing you mentioned you've mentioned take six a couple times um yeah i saw them a while back uh, when I was a kid, my mom exposed me to some groups like Chanticleer and then some acapella yeah, groups, yeah. which is cool. Naturally, seven. I remember seeing them for the first time, and it was like, it was yeah, like yeah. what the yeah, hell yeah. is going on?" Easily. So that was that was a really cool thing. Um We did. I was in a jazz group in high school. Actually, I didn't do okay. that much formal singing in high school. I was all about sports. Yeah. But okay. I was in the but I was in a jazz singing group, and we did "Quiet Place." Oh, yeah. and at that point i you know i couldn't read music really or anything and i was like kind of getting my bearings and i remember it was such a beautiful piece but i struggled so much with the bass line <laughs> it's yeah, it's, tough. Are, uh, it's not are, easy are a different level you know no and i mean i don't i don't even think i could i could get down to the bottom at that point i think it yeah, went yeah, down yeah. to like a like a c sharp yeah, or something absolutely. on the bottom and that for me was like really at pushing that point it, yes. yeah really pushing it at that point <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, an absolutely beautiful piece. I I wish we could have done it a bit more justice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, high school.
1: You know, it is what it is. You get what you get.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. So, how has your voice developed over the years? I know it's been just in the basement since you were twelve. Has yeah, it gotten yeah. lower? Has it filled out? I'm sure. I'm sure the upper range you've gotten a much better handle on over the years. That's, sure. usually, that's usually what takes the most training.
1: Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So.
0: So all of the above.
1: Right. So since being 12 or whatever, and it really hitting the first first basement floor of the parking garage, right? Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's gotten richer and lower for sure. Right. Like I'm trying to think back then, you know, I had B's and you know, B flat and stuff like that. Even like I'm trying to think so 16, 17, You know, I would hit B-flats and madrigals or whatever. Um, And they were good, (laughs) right? But, man, it's not going to peel paint the way I could do it today. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. The the fullness, the richness just got to a whole other level as, as time went on. And, you know, I think my lows just got lower and lower and lower and lower and lower, right? The note that, like, I have every day continue to, like, drop. Drop, drop, drop. And even from like when I left the House Jackson 2015 to now, I would say my everyday like showtime note. Because here's the thing, like one thing that's happened um interestingly with the base world is uh is the internet, right? Uh everybody's a super bass on the internet. Um <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yes. and um but like you know, we're talking your actual range, right? The stuff that you do or could do if you were hired or hireable um at, at showtime right so like seven or eight after a full day of eating talking walking sport whatever right so i think like that note over time is down to where now it's like ff sharp probably right like um and <laughs> That's a step nuts, higher yeah. 10 years ago it is and i never would have thought right like i never had a dream or a quest to be the lowest base um I always was in the context that I was singing in but like in the community or whatever um because back in those days it was pre-internet so you just sang what was on the paper right like there wasn't as much self arranging and stuff first of all there wasn't as much like this again pre-social media there wasn't as much like clamoring for a moment right how can I stand out and do this thing you know how can I hit this note that people are going to rave about it's just You sing the stuff and try your best to do a damn good job at it, right? Um, And so as time went on, they opened up, dropped, and then my higher register. To your question, is really what took more investment and more deliberate training, and that's probably the biggest thing that um, came out of my time at Dolmiet because, you know, I I knew I didn't want to pursue a classical trajectory. I was thinking, okay, what else can I do? Like just, and when I say commercial music, that's pop, R and B, jazz, basically everything, not focused on classical. And so everybody else, and as you might imagine, that was the only true bass in that major. Like why most basses wouldn't even think to do that, right? Because why? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was just singing around people who, you know, a lot of folks who wanted to be solo artists or wanted to be. Writers and all this stuff, and being around that environment while well, everybody was pushing each other vocally to be more agile and be able to you know reach and you know all these different colors and all these different styles to be able to you know handle all these different because we had styles classes too like I had a country styles class, pop styles, R and like all these just the whole bag. And I, don't, I think if I hadn't gone to Belmont and been regularly in that environment, I might not have pushed myself. Um, so much in that way and I, to that end I could even shout out my old well, both of my main voice teachers um, my vocal jazz teacher Lauren at Illinois State did a lot for me vocally and pushed me to you know think outside of being a bass like would put me on the solo that went to an F sharp or I'm like I don't know but, uh, you got it and I totally had it right so like that um, another thing I did in the summers you know did a lot of pop music and it was like a again like a cruise ship show type thing I had to do feeling good and that pushed me up to an A flat. I was like, oh, I don't know, on the way to do it. Right. And so all that, Belmont just kept pushing and pushing. And my voice teacher, Bruce Bennett, was the perfect one for me to have because he was, if you can imagine, the white version of me, 20, I don't know how old he is, 25 years older or something like that. So this is like <laughs> long haired, like slim. Funky kind of white dude, right? But he's a jazzer, right? So we had that in common. Crazy range, probably not quite as low, but like B-flat's easy, Uh, up to like well into FG, whatever. Um, Spoke a little higher, you know, his voice sat a little higher, but just monster. And so he kind of helped me break out of the bass mold and like think of, think more holistically about music and about, you know, artistry as a vocalist so that was yeah. huge and i just kind of kept building on that foundation uh note wise and style wise since that point
0: awesome it's i mean it sounds, it like, sounds a really like a really well-rounded uh education in terms of what you ended see, up doing so for sure it was you perfect know. yeah yeah
1: awesome
0: to point um i'll jump back to your voice for a minute because i know a lot it's really important i think for young bases to hear what you're talking about about range and vocal development about reliable singing yes um on this there's this big bass singer discord server that i've been a part of for a while and um what i did often early on there's it's you know it's all these it was a lot of kids much younger than me right i was already going into this career in opera a lot of experience with voice and voice science and all this stuff yeah hundreds of live performances of opera over the years or whatever and acapella groups and stuff so I'm definitely in your camp where it's like, I've done a lot of the thing. I know what it means to have a low note in the morning once in a while versus every single night we have got to have it. And so a lot of what I did in the group was being like, trying to get people to think about their vocal range differently. Not Mm -hmm. thinking like you can squeal up to this unusable note. You can fry down to this unusable note. It's like, what do you, if you have two really solid octaves, that's amazing. Yeah. Right. Just two. You can use them all the time on text in, you know, yeah. Yep. like and that that's opera too like two octaves two really yeah. good really yeah. polished octaves where every vowel on every note yes. is efficient yes that's what, that's what you need to be looking for mm-hmm. um another thing that w- you've you've touched on a little bit earlier is just like how much the voice changes over time because people ask yeah. me all the time how can i be a bass how can i get these it does not work that way yeah. like you have what I always tell people is like train your comfortable range. You can push yep. it a little bit, you know, especially in the upper end to get those yeah, high notes. Right. But your low natural chest range is the most natural part of your voice, and you yep. kind of just have to train it as you would and see what happens.
1: Hundred percent. Because I know
0: people, I know people who were who were you know lower bases in high school, and they trained, and their voices went up and they've yeah. like, baritones in the opera totally. world or whatever yeah mine, yeah mine was the opposite i was very much a baritone in high school and it's just been yeah. a very yeah. steady yeah dude over the years and mm-hmm. hopefully you know i think that will continue if it has mm-hmm. for the last 15 yeah, yeah right yeah so it sounds like you're saying you're you're like the you know you could do at night whatever in high school you have like b flat like i'm good for a b flat yeah, and and the other thing too, to that same point, like I never tested it, like it didn't matter what your moments, like it does it
1: matter. Like, do you sound good on the things that you need to sing? So like, you know, but it, you know, if I would think like, okay, the lowest we ever had in a, a song in high school was like a C, right? And then I know at one time we were playing um, for some reason, maybe we were thinking about doing it or something. Um, oh, I remember, I think we were doing Under the Sea, right? And there was yeah. a... The B flat so, and that's Yeah, the B flat yeah. that fish does, right? And I think <laughs> in the arrangement it didn't, because it's a high <laughs> school arrangement, nobody would ever arrange a published arrangement, you know, for a low B flat for whatever. Oh. So we didn't <laughs> you know that wasn't written as a solo, but I remember when we were listening to it, I was like, you know, singing it. I was like, okay, yeah, I got that. That's kind of bottom line roll. So yeah, probably around, <laughs> then, you know. Yeah.
0: So it's so over since then it's you think it's gone down about like a major third ish. Um, you know. <laughs> Yes, I guess you could say that, but I
1: think the other part of it is learning. So, yes, it's a short answer, but I think also it's a matter of learning to use the voice, right? Because it wasn't yeah. like I had any training or anything in high school. And I think the way you approach notes at any part of your register, high notes even more so,
0: right? Yeah,
1: You just learn to approach them differently so that you can access them more regularly in more context and with more um you know tone better to all that kind of stuff right yeah. so maybe if i had more training it would have been slightly different but yeah a meaningful drop from from high school from being okay. a 16 <clears throat> half my life ago you know
0: and did yeah. you i've talked to some bases and they found that their their voices changed more in spurts than very gradually for for me just quick example operatic technique i do find you kind of make little jumps it's not a linear thing you'll feel like i'm singing like shit this month and then you're like oh and i really figured this thing out with my second passage and now that's much cleaner yeah um whereas some people have at least with low range they also find like i've heard from a lot of opera singers too around 30 like early 30s is like a big development point and i'm feeling that too right now Yeah, yeah i feel like over the last year I have become much more bassy in my bass baritone label yeah. to the point where people are like, are you really a bass baritone? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I can sing, I mean, kind of, I can sing high stuff. So yeah, yeah. Kinda, yeah. but yeah. But like the I,
1: let me put a pin in that for a second.
0: The Gaston. It's really oh, good, man. Thank like you, I'm man. You up there kind of in your wheelhouse. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got, I got to really great. sing a little bit of opera in that one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess cool.
1: like it, it sounded excellent. That was one of my favorites from you guys
0: thank you man I appreciate that I appreciate yep. that so yeah so um, have you yeah. found it's been more gradual or or jumps in your kind of progression you know it's interesting because
1: there's also been a change in the type of context I'm singing in over the years right because like when I was at Belmont I was doing a lot more lead singing um right that would have me in EFGA way up there right um much more regularly like belting up there and what's interesting about that too is back then you know i was in the vocal 12, different years one group was more of a commercial some acapella one was more vocal jazz and so but outside of that i wasn't really doing anything with my bass voice or bass register so i wasn't really working on developing it in any degree um so i think after that when i was doing more just singing as a bass more regularly uh, because i was doing group work um that brought more development in terms of uh power access um agility down low as well just because I was down there more often um I don't know how I survived just doing so much lead scene. like that was like boot camp for <laughs> two years from because uh but it paid off hmm. um and then yeah so as I as I went on I just kind of again you know this is moving through the internet age. And so I'm thinking more creatively, I'm starting to arrange more at this point. And so I would take arrangements as they were written and stretch them on both ends to like just do more stuff and get more reps noodling around, right? Like we did, uh, when I was in Home Free, we also did um, Rockefeller's version of Papa Was a Rolling Stone, right? Yeah. George Baldy was the base at that point in time. And so that went from maybe B to E-flat and I kind of stretched it to A-flat on the top and A-flat on the bottom and so yeah. like challenging myself <laughs> to do that every night right so it became comfortable and um, yeah but on the low notes specifically bro I can't even listen to the stuff from my home three days like <laughs> being 20 whatever I was, two or whatever, um, one uh, because I feel like it's a completely different voice like I feel like I sound like a kid back then on like King of the Road and those old Christmas songs and stuff um, yeah, I would say around 30, I definitely had a mm. shifting and resettling, uh, vocally, especially with the lows too.
0: Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Um, I would love to hear about your experience with Pitch Perfect. That's such an interesting phenomenon. And that to me, it's like Pitch Perfect, the first one mm-hmm. and like pentatonics happening. And like, like the first season of the sing-off, like that's what brought acapella, cappella. Yeah, yeah. Into the mainstream. A quick anecdote for me. The year I joined uh, this acapella group at James Madison University called Exit 245, mm-hmm. this is 20, oh, yeah. 2014. Uh, God, it's been that long. Jesus. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's you feel. horrifying.
2: Yeah, yeah, um,
0: yeah. We, acapella group, undergrad acapella group, sold out. I think it's like an 1100 seat theater so on nice. campus. For, yeah, our, yeah. for our final concert that spring yeah which is cool it was like the year after pitch perfect so acapella yeah. was like the thing
2: yeah
0: and you know we were a popular group so it we kept the numbers were never that high again yeah but like i think by the time i left the group we were still getting like 600 yeah mm-hmm. like that but selling out an 1100 seat theater as just like an undergrad acapella group yeah, like yeah. that that it was part of a phenomenon at that oh, time sure. yeah you know so like yeah, what was, what was it like being kind of a part of that and like seeing the acapella sphere like blow up and people actually be like, oh, I know what that is now. Yeah. Even if some things on Pitch Perfect were, you know, like the riff-offs <laughs> and whatever, yeah, like right, not right. possible. But like, yeah, yeah, what was what was your experience being a part of that whole monster
1: yeah. of, of a thing? It's, man, it's been a really interesting journey, right? Because like when I started with this stuff, um, you know, I would say I've been doing this for twenty years, right? Twenty years. In two thousand two, was the first time I pulled some guys together, entered a talent show type thing, and we won it. So we got money, and we kept performing together for money, right? So I've been doing this. You can say for money for twenty. Years. So in a scope that matters, right? Where you can actually. Yeah. See. And so back then. And so I, another thing too, I think it's interesting, the different generations of acapella. Because back then, everybody's like hero group, you know, the pentatonics of 2020, let's say, right, was Rockapella, right? Um, those are the guys that, gosh, this is like aging myself, but way back when they had the Folgers commercial and they did the theme song for Carmen Sandiego, all this stuff. So if you're like in your 30s, right, you'll remember all that. They were they, the, the guys, right? And then, and their show was a little, just fun and cute and whatever too that's where that art form lived at the time and it was great for that um and then as you progress forward you start hearing more and more current pop songs being done right your god uh, gnarles barkley they n- never it took so long for people to stop singing that one oh my god um <laughs> jason moraz like you know all this kind of stuff your dave matthew's band and you know you sunday, sunday morning that was a yeah, all the songs on uh <laughs> what's that damn album songs about Jane right like they're just hammering those into the ground (laughs) and if I hear I'm yours one more time I'm gonna jump off a roof but you know it gets more commercial and that makes it more like fun and accessible right more people on campus want to see this thing where you know the cute guys are singing the whatever right whatever and so it gains some steam but it's still a little quirky Right. And then you get to the later 2000s where they're kind of joking about it on late night shows and joking about it in the office, right? Andy was in the. Whatever, oh, my God. The, yes. me <laughs> I don't know what the name is. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here comes Treble. That's what it was.
1: It's always a stupid name. Yeah. So it became this <laughs> kind of like parody type thing yeah, very easily. And you know, it's funny. I don't think anyone, even Deke, like I remember us having this conversation because when I joined, that's kind of when he was wrapping up all the stuff for Pitch Perfect one um he never would have guessed it would blow up the way it did right and even i remember the first season of pitch uh no sorry uh the sing-off i remember auditioning for that when i was at impulse and we were all like a tv show about acapella like that's gonna <laughs> <laughs> nobody gonna bomb
0: on, yeah but,
1: like who even is they? and the first season was like it was cool like i watched it people watched, you know it was cute whatever but it wasn't a phenomenon at that point in time right yeah. nobody knows what happened to those guys you know they were fun uh nota or whatever the one the first week so <clears throat> even in t- 20 what 2009 i guess that was nobody saw it coming 2011 2012 it starts to hit this huge point again nobody would have guessed it but it was fun to kind of just be a part of that right and you know going to these festivals which it would be interesting to ask the guys how big these festivals were in like 2007, right? Because I'm sure as you hit that, you know, zenith of the uh, art form and the and the community, it just blew up. Like our shows were always packed. When we go to Germany and Italy and all that. It was just everybody knew and loved this thing that was so dorky years ago, right? Um, and it's been just as interesting to, uh, since it had never, Grown to that degree in the past, I never would have thought I would see or know what it would even be like for it to just kind of peter off because I never would have guessed it would hit a peak. So it's also been Mm -hmm. interesting to see it go from like, oh, dude, pentatonics, all this stuff, to like, you know, then there was a little period of people doing their videos on the internet or whatever and their faces, and because everybody was stuck inside with the pandemic. But now, like, you don't see reposts of acapella videos or anything like it just kind of for oh. the most right yeah yes yeah. we're definitely not in that uh place anymore right
0: yeah 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 i feel like it's definitely higher than it was before that yeah peak right like the the the, the ground floor has gone up yeah, yeah yeah but that peak was a very real peak yeah yeah yeah, 100%. yeah. i wonder yeah. if it i i wonder if it would be if there's anything that would make that possible again or to raise the floor higher again is the single still happening? Is that still a Is that No, still I think there was okay.
1: talks of bringing it back a little bit some years ago, but it just, I don't know. Maybe they squeezed all the juice out of the fruit. You know what I'm saying? It would,
0: it would have to be something like that. Just something yeah. that gets, like, national, worldwide viewership. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I'm not even
1: sure. I wonder, like, what do you think, if I can, you know, Put on my interviewer hat for a second and put it on. Please. (laughs) What do you think um, was behind that drive to to prominence?
0: I'm interested. Well, okay, so the sing-off came before Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Started before Pitch Perfect. So I'm wondering if that influenced the producers of Pitch Perfect. Like, hey, there's this thing. Maybe we can make some kind of musical comedy about it. And Mm -hmm. then Pitch Perfect was the thing that that got so much attention. It blew it
1: open. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, it was as popular as any other movie. It was a huge, a huge hit, you know. And for sure. And it's funny, we see numbers, we see numbers online getting like a few million views here. That's a big deal. If you put out a video Mm -hmm. and it gets a few million views, wild success. Yeah. yeah. The numbers that like blockbuster movies get astronomical. Completely astronomically, whole different ballpark. So if you have something <clears throat> like an acapella song getting you know billions of views essentially yeah, yeah. ball game that puts it on a very global scale yeah big
1: time big time
0: so yeah i mean the, the producers must have just you know saw the saw the diamond in the rough and they're like this mm-hmm. could this could be interesting if we mm-hmm. if we make it the right way yeah, yeah in a way that will be funny and yeah and cool in a way that will yeah. resonate with people yeah, yeah. um okay. and maybe they're also like you know how many acapella groups are there in undergrads around the country and the world? Every every college has yeah. tons of them. You know, there's a mm-hmm. there's there's a they're like we'll get some viewership, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. if it's, it's done, and it. maybe if we get enough, it'll spread. And it did. Yeah. And they kind of just nailed it. Yeah, no, that's a good
1: point. And <laughs> I'm thinking back, like I guess that was around the time because you had, and man, I hated this show, uh, Glee, and stuff was popular too. So there was kind of there was a yeah. lot of bubbling up to it, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm sure, I bet you're right. And then Pitch Perfect kind of made. The sing-off season three brought in more viewership and that For allowed sure. good times to come out. And then, of course, they hustled from there to make. So, yeah. yeah, definitely a compounding of factors.
0: Tim mentioned, it'd be interesting to know the stats here. Maybe they're available somewhere. Tim mentioned when when he was on the sing-off I can't remember what it must have been during the finals, right? One of the yeah. highly viewed episodes, but there were ten million people tuning in to watch that episode, Insane. which is yeah, crazy—ten yeah. yeah. million people Chris at, at, at <laughs> once, at yeah. once watching yeah. something, you know. Um, so I'm sure, that, I'm sure that was different from the first year when it started. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. That that, that feels like a pretty peak.
1: Yeah, yeah, big time peak yeah. kind of
0: thing. That's crazy though, man. Yeah. Um. Okay. Few more things, then we'll get into get into Patreon questions So yeah. what are some goals for you musically? What are what are you what are you after right now as far as the music world? And and how does that balance with your life as a an attorney, right? Yeah. So I mean,
1: technically like I'm an attorney, but what I do right now is uh essentially tech sales, right? To okay. attorneys. So I'm able to okay. speak their language, know what matters to them, so on and so on, and provide what they need. Right. Okay. So that's what I'm doing now. And um
0: <laughs> to the balance
1: question you know between that job and and uh being a fairly new dad right the family
0: yeah. family yeah. life as well yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, near 18 month old uh there's not a whole lot of time for me to be honest with you um i may you know some things around a little bit next year so you know shake some time free but um so you know uh, it's in an interesting place right now it's in a uh, definitely on the side burner um and it's i'm in a place where i'm trying to think I wouldn't even say trying to think, where I'm curious slash learning slash we'll see um, what it is I want out of it, right? Because I think for a long time, like when I was in college and, you know, I had my first music gig, it was like, oh, this is awesome. Like being able to tour as a bass singer was a dream when I was in high school, right? When I found out about Rockapella and the thought, how cool that was, like it was just a dream to be able to do it. Right. Then once I did it, I was like, okay, cool. That was a nice little time. I got to do it globally. Cool. Right. Got to record with artists from all over. the like, cool. Vocally, I had some things where I was like, okay, you know, if I ever got to a point where I can do X, Y, Z, man, that'd be amazing. Like I remember in high school, I had a solo that was like E to E, right. And I knew I could get much lower than the E, but the song was E to E. It was Father How Long From the Civil War Musical. And, um, you know, Lady at that time, E four was was
0: was it right? Still, still high to sing well, bro. Yeah, to sing an E four well, yeah, not common. It would it would make
1: me sweat, man. Uh, (laughs) Make me nervous (laughs) at that age, at sixteen as a senior or whatever. And I remember, like, I won this competition, but you know, everybody. um, This was senior. There were three judges, I think, and they all would kind of give you their critiques and blah 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 whatever. And one of the ladies was like. You know don't think too hard about that e like it sounds good and you know to be honest before you know it you'll have a third above that and i remember thinking okay if this is true miss tartell uh in my mind then that means one day most likely i'll have an easy because i know my voice is going to continue to drop right and at that point in time b's were easy so i'm like you're telling Ooh. me at some point in time i'll have an easy g to g no way like I will <laughs> die a happy man if at any point I you know can just go with those and I reach that right and more so it's like man I've traveled met a great girl like it's just all this all this stuff man uh, got to do a movie soundtrack between as much as I've done as much time as I have or don't have and the steady frankly decline of the acapella Seen in popularity, right? There's so quality mm-hmm. stuff
2: happening. Right?
1: <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know where else there is to go, man. You know what I mean? Got to Done it all. Personality. I don't have a a desire to be a star or command all these views. Or it's just I don't care. I just want to make great music, and so that's kind of where I'm at. Like all the yeah. stuff that I and that's the beauty of doing it on the side, right? I think when you're a musician full time, you kind of gotta take the gigs. You need the money to survive. Right yeah. now, like, I got the money, like, I've had the experiences, and I can really focus on the stuff that I love doing, right? So, like, yeah. when you guys came to me with the Mad World, I was like, oh, I always love that song. And I love, like, you know, either pensive or mel- melancholy, like, really, songs that make you feel something, yeah, right? Yeah. It was a great arrangement, So I was like, hell yeah, let's do it, you know? So, like, being able to just be selective <laughs> and, and really enjoy everything I do have a chance to do.
0: Cool. Yes. Yeah. So, so collaborations like that are things you're you're generally looking totally. for because it's yeah. Like, I'll, I'll always be down with that. You know what I mean. Awesome. Mad yeah. world doing doing very well. Yeah. I did some numbers, man. You know, yeah, it's, dig it. I figured up, it would up yeah, over so much up, much up much over four hundred thousand now. Is on, it on, yeah. Just on just on YouTube. Yeah.
1: Surprise, man. Yeah, it really turned out nice.
0: It's a cool piece. It was it mm-hmm. was we lo- we loved having you on that, man. Yeah. Great. It's my pleasure, man. Cool, man. Let's get into let's get into some some Patreon. Questions you've got, you've got some fans out there. All right, I'll take that. Are, that. Yeah, <laughs> they're one really wanted to ask you. I think yeah. got a number, a number of questions. We'll see how many we can get through in like ten minutes. Sure, sure. Just gotta find this. <clears throat> they just like totally revamped this app, and it's. Confusing. Bro, are you doing a subtle
1: flex over there with the uh what? What's the platform?
0: <laughs> that's the that's the hundred thousand on YouTube. Oh, okay, nice, nice. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. I for... That's is just that just subscribers? subscribers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I figure okay. if I've got it, it's kind of mandatory to have it up. Oh, for sure. Hanging Christian. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: you
0: look for it, yeah. All right, here we go. All right, this is from Jenny Thompson. Love his voice, bunch of exclamation you, points. Jenny. Where did he grow up and what who influenced him to be a singer? I don't know mm-hmm. if I asked you that. Not really. I, I guess, guess you can go you're, around you're, other questions. But... Your, your, your vocal influences and... yeah. Uh, your I hometown. mean, so yeah. So I'm from Decatur, Illinois,
1: which if you look it up, it's you know middle of nowhere. They used to call it soybean capital of the world, so that lets you know what kind of place it is. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> corn and soy, baby. That's it. And um, let's go. But it was good. And uh yeah, growing up, man, you know everything from my parents' old, you know, temptations and blah blah to Boys to Men, Take Six, all your like R and B. That's kind of where Michael Jackson, all that, and then Prince, and then all as right. I got older, more, <clears throat> a lot of hip hop. Once I reached about twelve, a lot of uh, jazz stuff, even rock. Like I can find inspiration just about anywhere. So it's it's broad, but R and B is probably where my love lies.
0: R and B and soybeans. Yeah, that's it, man. Let's Let's winning go. combination. <laughs> Jan Case, Jan Case, she's Dan from Australia. Yeah. He says, "Well, this is going to be good. It would be fine with me if you just ask him to read the supermarket receipt." <laughs>
1: That's amazing.
0: I'm going to the store later. Maybe we can check
1: out so, that. Yeah, and I eat a so, lot, so it'll be a, a nice long, long, long selection.
0: i gonna say so. So, Jen, hopefully, you've 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 gotten to hear that voice for a solid hour now. So, ho- hopefully, oh, yeah. you feel satisfied. Um, I kind of just asked you this, but uh, oh, this is funny. Can we expect any music from him anytime soon, solo or collab? What sort of project would entice him to work with the Bass Gang again? yeah honestly just anything i i just want to hear him keep talking <laughs>
1: <laughs> i love it i love it yeah so you know i'll always do stuff for fun a couple of weeks ago i put out a thing not even a video but just like something where i was bored earlier in the spring and just cranked out some you know old r&b tunes put them together in a mashup and that was super fun but you know going forward i think as i have more time there will definitely be more i definitely have ideas in my mind of um I won't even speak to what that I have a project that I may may do if, and when there's time, right. Some throwback tunes, I'll leave it at that and not get too, too in detail. So, you know, that's interesting to me. Um, the house jacks, which I mentioned before, um, we did all original music. And so I still have a handful of original songs that I've written over the years that I may do something with. We'll see again, time and whatnot permitting. Um, yeah i'm just i'm just open whenever i feel you know the need to do something whether it's my own art or uh something i'm approached with and we just do it and to that end you know bass gang if y'all come to me with something and you know it's a click then it's a go you
0: know i'm saying all right all right man good enough certainly keep that in mind this is a this is a very very heartfelt message from dawn okay i'm just gonna read it to you let's go uh, instead of a question, I'd rather you express my gratitude for helping for him helping home free stay in the game, so to speak, home free and <clears throat> all the friends and extended members, crews and a family are a blessings. So everyone involved with home free is a blessing. If not for home free, lockdown would have been my end. I'd already survived mm. health challenges year after year. I'd fallen into a very dark place. I was ready to die.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Then they were singing hope, healing and laughter right into my mm. personal bubble of pain. Mm-hmm. every single member of home free is important things are not easy in those first 12 years they didn't stop thank him for me please peter thanks for the light elliot love it love it you said that was Dawn. that was Dawn.
1: yes thank you Dawn. i appreciate that and you know this goes back to something we were talking about earlier where music especially vocal music is so real and so human right i think yeah. the fact that it's this thing in here that we all have right makes it it's something that connects and resonates with us for one, right? And so I think when people are singing, uh, even singing about pain, it resonates because we can feel it. We've been there. We've wanted to say and sing those things, and maybe we couldn't, you know. Speaking in terms of a non-musician, and then if they're speaking, singing, you know, joy and and you know all these other things, it'll get better. And just putting you in a more uh, healthier and happier mind state, it's 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 a power and a blessing unlike many things, right? It's very unique. And so yeah, I, I appreciate that and I'm happy that you know the music has been able to
0: to speak to you and,
1: and you know bring some positive inertia into your state. Yeah. So it's wonderful thing yeah. to sharing that.
0: Comments like that are so amazing. Mm-hmm. Just that. like how you don't always realize how powerful it can be. Oh yeah. Even if you're just like doing that for one person. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, mm-hmm. that changed someone's life for the better. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And actually, so to take it a slightly Hmm. different way,
1: this is another thing that I want to say that I like passion about and love about what we do. What you and I do, Peter, inspires people, not just, you know, helping them emotionally and other stuff and help people get through their day to day because things get tough, right? But even pushes the next generation of singers, right? One of the most rewarding things to me is like hearing singers that I enjoy. Be like, hey, dude, like I really love when you did it out or like you know, that kind of thing to know that like you are planting a seed somewhere else that's gonna continue to be another big, beautiful badass tree over there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because yeah, I'm sure you know you had those experiences, right? You remember when you were sitting watching Take Six, and I remember when I was hearing them for the first time and when my eighth grade class went to see Forever Plaid, that barbershop musical, and I was like, Oh, that's it. So just to be able to continue that like generation of um new and, and and emerging talent is really cool
0: it is crazy to step into a place you were once watching yeah yeah 100 we're just like the <clears throat> the start of my opera journey which was i guess kind of this i went away from it for a few years and came back but yeah. essentially the start of undergrad yeah and like working with you know like my teacher had a, a big career as a base and it's yeah. on these big stages and like this spring with arizona opera man i get to sing three big roles in like a 2600 seat theater
1: yeah in. yeah yeah
0: like That's the amazing. big the big grand thing you know yeah, you're there crazy yeah, yeah yeah totally yeah. crazy mm-hmm. there's still you know a couple steps couple goals for me to get beyond mm-hmm. that but it is very much like a big roles on a big stage yeah very cool yeah, so yeah, yeah. looking forward yeah. to that big time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right we've got one more um this person wants to hear your uh inspiration for the not so mean grinch cover you did and the second part of the question is we we covered this a little bit but this is kind of funny also isn't he a lawyer i'd love to know what type of law practices i imagine that deep basso in a courtroom lol
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's funny that's funny yeah um so the first part oh was the inspiration so man i was um i'm trying to think so last year last april is when my daughter was born I didn't, you know, took a couple of weeks of parental leave, but then they let us like piece it out, right? So I took a couple of weeks in April, early May. And then later in like the latter part of the summer going into fall, I took the rest of it, the other 10 weeks. And at some point in time, I think towards the end of it, I was kind of like, mm, do I want to do a Christmas thing this year? What the hell would that even be? Cause at this point, man, like all the songs have been covered <laughs> a billion times. Most of them have at least one really great version. So, like, do we need another? You know, that's kind of like the space that that I was kind of in with it, and um, you know, to that end, uh, in my mind, I'm thinking like, yeah, what am I gonna do to Mr. Grinch? Like, I'm not, I'm not doing that, right? And um, then I'm like, I had this thought, I was like, hey, what if I just did it differently? Like, I could change the feel. I was like, oh, even that's been done. What if I just changed it entirely and changed the perspective? And um, I was like, oh, that could be fun. And then that goes to, you know, all the stuff I did with Axiom, with the parodies and whatnot, and how much I enjoyed that. So I got to kind of scratch that itch again. And um, it's funny, musically, like I said, I listen to a lot of hip-hop, like, from back in the day and a lot of hip-hop and rap today, and uh, especially when I'm lifting. but just, like, that's, you know, I, I like that a lot. And so <laughs> my Ed Sheeran cover um, borrowed heavily from the track for edited uh, version, Jigawatt from Jay-Z. Um, so if you know that song or if you go ahead and listen to it and then come back to you, will oh, that's kind of mm, right. So you get mm-hmm. where that comes from. Similarly, with this track, I had um, been listening to a lot of like hip hop with funkier bass lines. So, like, Devin the Dude, Larry June, so, you know, combination of, like, down South Texas and West Coast stuff. And there's a song um, from E-40 and some other guys called, uh, I'm going to have to edit this one, too, uh, Captain Save a uh, Garden dig- Digging Instrument. <laughs> <laughs> you feel me? So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> semi-recently heard that one come up in Shuffle, and that kind of, the group, go and listen to that one. Go pull it up, and you know what word I'm saying. Go pull it up, and um, you'll get the feeling and that. You'll feel how that influenced the bass line for that song. And so once I did it, it just kind of, you know, once I thought of the words and that feel, it just kind of all came together really, really, really quickly. Um, So that was a lot of fun. And then
0: what was the second part of it? Oh, they were they were saying what kind of law you practice. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, none <laughs> and that's by choice <laughs> right. you know pretty early in law school i was like eh, okay well getting this paper is going to be nice and open up more doors than this you know commercial music degree long term uh but i don't think i want to you know have clients and be in a courtroom and like be at, at clients beck and call at any right. hour and on partners at the law like i don't want to do all that um and i didn't actually know where i wanted to go with it but i knew that that would open doors for me and so i should go ahead and go with it and so um it really worked out really nicely. Like at first, I was a researcher, then an account manager, and all this other stuff. But now, being able to advise, you know, with my legal expertise and acumen and no knowledge of the products and services we have, combine it all together with my ability to connect with people, my ability to, because, dude, like I, I, um, a lot of times if I'm, Really, any time I'm discussing something, if I'm making an analogy, it's probably I'm making an analogy to either fitness or music or between the two. Right. So I think like, um, you know, in the same way that you vary your training and you have your compound lifts and your isolation lifts and you probably should do some kind of cardio in there and all that. Right. You vary your training as a musician. And even like with the house jacks, we do a lot of we would do a lot of improvisation. We would literally at the end of the show say, hey, what do you all want to hear? But we would just dive right into it the best we knew and it was just a fun human journey right yeah and so being able to again know the chord changes of a song and pluck it out however i feel in the moment and have that degree of control over it taught me how to just flex with the dance so even in sales like and having these conversations and negotiation you have to be comfortable not knowing what's going to happen and then just taking it and giving your own thing back so it's kind of a, a nice way to round up all of my skills and experiences uh in a corporate context so it works out pretty well but Amazing, yeah man. definitely <laughs> I, I won't be in anybody's courtroom anytime so I <laughs> will not be, we will not be doing that <laughs> by choice by choice
0: cool man man great chatting with you yeah
1: likewise man thanks for pre- having me
0: i appreciate you come on we'll have to do a part two there there are definitely some some things we didn't we didn't get to talk about fitness yeah uh, which know. is yeah, which is, really which, is which is a big one for both of us so yeah, yeah. uh We'll have a we'll have a round two at some point. Yeah, yes please, yes, please, man. Appreciate you having bro. Absolute pleasure chatting with you and uh time to go watch the solar eclipse. Yeah, that. man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Enjoy. Peace, Peace man. man.